Hello, and welcome to the Weird Wiltshire podcast with me, Will Shire. Before we get started, I have an announcement to make. So this podcast is a work in progress. Obviously, we are at episode six. I had never recorded anything before this podcast, and I am still learning now. I believe I was a little bit naive, well, actually a lot naive. I will hold my hands up and say, I did not know just how much work goes into making a weekly podcast, especially as a one-man band like I am. And on top of that, I have a full-time job and a family to juggle at the same time. And I've bitten off a bit more than I can chew here. I take my hat off to every podcaster who can do it alone, and alongside having a family and a full-time job, but I just don't have the time. Therefore, I have taken the decision to go to a fortnightly format for the foreseeable future. This will mean I will have more time with my family, and it means I won't have to keep letting you good people down every time I release an episode late, or not at all. So, with that announcement out of the way, let's get this show on the road. So tonight's episode we're going to be talking about past lives. It's estimated that a million people have experienced past life memories. This is usually enabled by a therapy called PLR, or past life regression. The therapy is carried out by a psychotherapist. Just a quick tangent here. Someone once pointed out to me that the word psychotherapist is just made up of the words psycho the rapist and i have never been able to look at that word the same ever since and now you won't be able to either you're welcome so during these guided therapy sessions the patient is placed under hypnosis and asked questions and given guidance plr is usually a hugely emotional experience and often tied to personal afflictions or anxiety in their current life There are also numerous guided meditation type videos over on YouTube that take you through PLR if you wanted to try it for yourself. I may even try it. It'll certainly be interesting. On a side note, if you you do do this, please share the results with me. I would love to hear about it. But this isn't the only way people experience memories from a previous life. There are stories of very young children, some as young as two and older children and adults, detailing their past lives. I have collected such stories, so let us hear them now. Chanai is a boy from Thailand, who, when he was three years old, he began saying that he had been a teacher named Buakai, who had been shot and killed as he rode his bike to school. He pleaded and begged to be taken to Buakai's parents, who he felt were his own parents. He knew the village where they lived, and eventually convinced his grandmother to take him there. His grandmother reported that after they got off the bus, Chanai led her to a house where an older couple lived. Chanai appeared to recognise the couple, who were the parents of Buakai Lornuk, a teacher who had been shot and killed on the way to school five years before Chanai was born. The fascinating thing is that Kai and Chanai had something in common. Kai, who was shot from behind, had small round wounds on the back of his head. 
typical of an entry wound, and a larger exit wound on his forehead. Chanai was born with two birthmarks, a small round birthmark on the back of his head, and a larger irregularly shaped one towards the front. That's creepy, isn't it? PM was a boy whose half-brother had died from neuroblastoma 12 years before his birth. The half-brother was diagnosed after he began limping and then suffered a pathological fracture on his left tibia. He underwent a biopsy of a nodule on his scalp just above his right ear and received chemotherapy through a central line in his right external jugular vein. At the time of his death, he was two years old and blind in his left eye. PM was born with three birthmarks that matched the lesions on his half-brother, as well as with a swelling one centimetre in diameter above his right ear and a dark slanting mark on the lower right anterior surface of his neck. He also had what is known as a corneal leukoma, which caused him to be virtually blind in his left eye. As soon as PM started to walk, he did so with a limp, sparing his left side. And at around the age of four and a half years, he spoke to his mother about wanting to return to the family's previous home, describing it with great accuracy. He also spoke of his brother's scalp surgery, even though he had never been told of it before. At the time of this case, James was a four-year-old boy from Louisiana and he believed he was once a World War II pilot who had been shot down over Iwo Jima, an island that the United States fought to capture in 1945. His parents first realised this when James started to have nightmares, waking up and screaming, aeroplane crash and plane on fire. He knew details about the World War II aircraft that would be impossible for a youngster to know. For example, when his mother referred to an object on the bottom of a model plane as a bomb, she was corrected by James, who informed her that it was a drop tank. In another instance, he and his parents were watching a documentary, and the narrator called a Japanese plane a zero, when James insisted that it was Tony. In both cases, James turned out to be right. James also insisted that in his previous life, he had flown off of a ship named the Natoma, which, as the Leiningers discovered, was a World War II aircraft carrier, which was the USS Natoma Bay. James said that his previous name was also James, and shockingly, in the USS Natoma Bay squadron, there was a pilot named James Huston who had been killed in action over the Pacific Ocean. Now it is time for the main event, as it were. John Pollock was born in Bristol in 1920 and raised in the Church of England, but he later converted to Catholicism. Florence Pollock grew up as a member of the Salvation Army, but when she married John, she also became a Catholic. Despite being a Christian, John strongly believed in reincarnation after he came across the idea whilst reading a book when he was a boy. He would also pray to God for evidence of reincarnation, proving himself right and the priests wrong. After marriage, John and Florence started a family, and in 1946, 
their third child and first daughter was born. Then, in 1951, after the family had moved to Hexham in Northumberland, their second daughter, Jacqueline, was born. John and Florence ran a milk and grocery delivery service and were often working, so the girls were mostly raised by their grandmother. The Pollock girls were inseparable and Joanna would mother Jacqueline, who was all too happy for this to happen. Joanna liked dressing up and acting out plays that she had made up and was a generous child, always sharing with other children. Both of the Pollock girls liked to comb people's hair, but especially John's. Joanna once had a premonition that she would never grow up, and she would often tell people, I will never be a lady. At age three, Jacqueline fell into a bucket, and as a result of this, she was left with a depressed scar on her forehead, above her right eye, near the bridge of her nose. She also had a distinctive dark birthmark on the left side of her waist. On the morning of May 7th, 1957, Joanna, aged 11, and Jacqueline, aged 6, and the rest of the Pollock household were getting ready for church. The family had planned to go to the girls' favourite playground after. The family usually walked to church together as a family, but on this day, a friend of the girls knocked the door and asked if they wanted to walk to church with him. John and Florence saw no reason why not and gave them permission to go on ahead. Little did they know that this would be a decision that they would live to regret. As Jacqueline, Joanna and their friend walked to church, a car operated by a woman who had taken what she thought was a lethal dose of aspirin and phenobarbitone was making its way through the streets towards them. As the car sped into the street where the three children were excitedly making their way to church, the car then swerved into the opposite lane of the road, mounted the curb and ploughed into the three children. Witnesses described how the children were unable to jump out of the speeding car's path due to a wall being on the other side of the pavement and that the impact tossed all three children into the air. Joanna and Jacqueline were killed instantly. Their friend was rushed to the hospital, but died in the ambulance on the way. The incident made headlines across Britain, and the driver was committed to a psychiatric unit after it was proved in her trial that she had deliberately driven the car at the children. Needless to say, John and Florence were devastated. In the aftermath of the tragedy, Florence would try and keep her mind occupied so that she wouldn't think of the girls. But John preferred to keep them in his thoughts. John claimed that on the day of the accident, he had a vision of the girls in heaven, and then he started to sense the presence of their spirits in one of the rooms upstairs in the house. After this, he would often spend time in this room to feel close to them. This seems like a perfect time for a quick break and a podcast share. So take a listen and if you like what you hear, go and show them the love. Hey guys, this is Steve Owens from Fascination Street Podcast here with a very important message. I'm awesome. 
I bet you thought I was going to say something else. But nope. What's important here is that I am awesome. I have a podcast called Fascination Street, and it allows me to bring to my listeners some of the most fascinating stories and guests. I started this show because I truly believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear those stories. In the short time I've been doing this show, I've interviewed actors, directors, writers, inventors, podcasters, musicians, pro athletes, Olympic athletes, actual war heroes, even a Bond girl and a luthier, whatever the hell that is, and of course, regular people. From people who wanted to be stars but never gave it a real try, to big company CEOs and people who got to meet their favorite president. I love getting to meet and speak with people who have a story to tell. I feel like everyone does, and it's my job to get them to tell it. You never know who my next guest will be. An Academy Award-winning actor, a platinum-selling musician, or your own mother-in-law. But one thing is for certain, you will be fascinated by their story. So come take a walk with me down Fascination Street. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, FascinationStreetPod.com. Eight tough months went by, and the family finally received some good news. Florence was pregnant. John had said that he felt that the girl's deaths had been a punishment from God due to his praying for proof of reincarnation, but he felt that his prayer would be answered, and he prophesied that the girls would be reborn as twins in Florence's current pregnancy. Florence's doctor told them that their pregnancy was a single birth, based on the fact that there was only a single heartbeat and also that there was no history of twins in either parent's family. On October 4th, 1958, Florence went into labour and eventually she gave birth to two twin girls that they named Gillian and Jennifer. Jennifer had a distinctive birthmark, which was located on her forehead, above her right eye and at the bridge of her nose. She also had a birthmark on her side. Sound familiar? Yes, it was in the same place that Jacqueline had a scar from falling into the bucket, and the same birthmark that she had on her side. When the twins were about three years old, John and Florence decided that they would give the twins Joanna and Jacqueline's old toys, which had been boxed and stored in the attic since shortly after the accident. Gillian claimed the doll that had belonged to Joanna, and Jennifer claimed that the doll that had belonged to Jacqueline. The twins claimed that the dolls had been gifts from Santa, which they originally had been for their older sisters. Gillian also pointed at a toy clothes ringer and said that it had also been a present from Santa. Again, it had been, but for the older sisters. John and Florence also noted that at no point did the twins argue over the toys, almost like they knew whose toys were whose. One day, Florence overheard the twins discussing the accident that had claimed the lives of their older sisters. She walked into the room to find Jennifer lying on the floor and Gillian cradling Jennifer's head, with Gillian saying, The blood's coming out of your eyes. That's where the car hit you. Now, if that was me, I would slowly back out of the room, lock the door, 
and never speak of this incident or the children again. Only joking, but that's massively creepy, isn't it? Wow. Gillian also once pointed to Jennifer's birthmark on her forehead and said, that's the mark Jennifer got from falling on a bucket. Which, of course, it was actually Jacqueline. When Florence was working for their business, she would wear a smock, but she put it into storage after the girl's death due to her no longer going to work. When the twins were about four and a half, John was doing some painting in the house and was wearing the smock. Jennifer asked, Why are you wearing Mummy's coat? She then became annoyed at Gillian for not recognising it. John asked her how she knew it was her mother's coat and Jennifer told him, Mummy used to wear that when she delivered milk. The family had moved away from Hexham when the twins were nine months old but visited when the twins were four. As they were walking towards a park that was known to John and Florence but not the twins and the park was not visible, the twins said they wanted to cross the road so that they could play in the park. Another time, the girls were complaining about the lunch at home. Florence said that they could have lunch at school if they wanted to, and they told her, we've done that before. They hadn't, but Joanna and Jacqueline had. As the twins got older, they forgot the memories of their sisters, and went on to live normal lives and no longer remember anything about the above incidents. They accept their parents' belief that they were their older sisters reincarnated, but generally remain sceptical about reincarnation. Now, this case is truly amazing, and there is quite a bit of evidence to support the theory that the twins were, in fact, their older sisters reincarnated. Equally, there is another side to this. Obviously, the twins grew up in a household with other siblings and parents who had known their sisters. Uh, grief works in weird ways and often can make you make connections where there isn't one. Also, John was said to have been quite vocal in his belief that the twins were reincarnated from their older sisters. So there is every chance that they overheard John and Florence or their siblings talking about their older sister's death. Ultimately, there is no way to prove either way so I guess we will just have to make our own minds up with the evidence that we have. So we're going to have another break here, and this time I have a message from another great podcast you should definitely check out. Hey strange neighbours, do you enjoy spooky, unexplained things, myths and legends? Well, look no further. Home on the Strange is here. Join hosts, Lindsay, and Sam Wilson every other Tuesday as we dive into paranormal events, cryptids, hauntings, aliens, and the occasional horror flick with a focus on the history behind these mysteries. With a southern twist. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other places where fine podcasts are podcasted. Consider this your formal invitation. To our home on the strange. So next up, we've got some more posts from around t- interwebs. 
on past lives, this time coming from a combination of websites and Reddit. When I was 12, I woke up with a distinct feeling of a rocking ship. I was laying in my bed, but it felt as if I were on a rocking ship. I also got very claustrophobic, as if I was in a small room. That same afternoon, when I got home from school, I watched a history programme about the Titanic. It was really odd. I was watching it all alone and I was seeing footage with people I had never seen before, but I would remember their names. The narrator would tell the names a while after and I was right. Last year I was attending a Titanic exhibition in Copenhagen and I got this weird feeling when I walked inside. When I saw the reconstructions of the second class cabins, I had this feeling as if I was on a rocking ship again. Claustrophobia bubbled up inside me and I felt really seasick. I hurried into the next room where I saw a piece of jewellery. I immediately knew it was mine. I read the sign and it said the ring had belonged to one of the female second class travellers whose body had been found but not identified. There was no name. It was believed to be an engagement ring and now I keep getting the feeling that I belong somewhere else. It is really odd. I know things about the Titanic that I have never been told and I am really afraid of closed spaces. When I saw the Titanic film, I began to freeze really badly and my hands have never been warm since that. One day, while myself and two others were having a conversation, My little grandson was behind us sitting on a step. I immediately stopped talking and listened to him because he was looking down in his lap and announced loudly, I died. I died in this house. I cried. Then he proceeded to rub his eyes with his two fists, dramatising his crying. I immediately got up and put him on my lap and proceeded to ask him, Why did you say that, Elijah? You're right here. He just wanted to get down and play. He wouldn't talk anymore. It appeared to me as if he had had a sudden memory and just blurted that memory out loud to himself. He also acted very oddly one day while visiting a cemetery of a loved one. We were walking through the graves and came across a freshly buried gravesite. He pointed to it and asked about why it was different. I proceeded to explain someone must have been buried, that they had just died maybe. I will never forget how he backed away in fear immediately and started mumbling, died, hurt. It was about one year prior to the above incident. He was just learning how to talk. I have tried to gather more information from him, but he refuses to talk about it. So, are these actually memories? Well, According to a Dr. Tucker, who is one of the leading experts investigating this phenomena, the explanation may lie in quantum physics. The belief that our physical world may come from our consciousness. It's like the scientific law of the conservation of mass. This scientific law states, matter cannot be created or destroyed. So perhaps these molecules that make up who we are 
come to us from somewhere else, still holding the memory of where those molecules originally came from. In the beginning, these memories are fresh, but as we create more memories, these past life memories slowly fade away. So, what is your view on past lives? As always, you can let me know at weirdwiltshirepodcast at gmail.com. That's weirdwiltshirepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on whatever platform you are listening on. Share or submit an experience you have had. You can also find me on social media. Links are in the show notes as usual. I've been discovering lots of new podcasts and talking to other hosts on Twitter. It's a really fun place to be, and you should definitely get on there. Following on from my earlier announcement, the next episode will be up on July 27th. Also, one last thing, I just want to give a shout out to a lady called Jo, who recently very kindly gave me some books and magazines for free. This will assist me greatly in research for upcoming episodes, and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jo. So, that means that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in this week. Again, my apologies that it was late. This has been the Weird Wiltshire Podcast, and I have been Will Shire. Until next time. This episode was written and produced by me, Will Shire. Music composed and given for use by the legendary Coag Music. Content used is done so in line with fair use or creative commons. 